now, it's time for the Tim Donnelly Show on the talk of the New River Valley. 1017, 1035, and 1460 WRAD. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Tim Donnelly Show here on the talk of the New River Valley. WRAD 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM as well. We are live inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline. That's 540-639-4900. That's 540-639-4900. Joining myself here inside the Mockadoo studio is producer Lobro. Uh, bright and early on this Tuesday morning. It is a top Tuesday. We have a loaded show for you, but before we get to anything else, we need to make sure you are covered for any conversation you might find yourself in. If you're in the break room and they start talking sports, we want you covered. Have your nugget, your morsel of information that you can throw into the conversation when you're at the kids' uh, basketball practice or, or anything else. Happy hour. We want you covered. That's why we have this segment that we call Got You Covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. And as we continue to break down the after effects of a Super Bowl that took place on Sunday, we look towards the future and see, well, the Chiefs dynasty may just be getting started. I've long said that if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you need to either have a first ballot Hall of Famer or a quarterback on a rookie contract. So you have to look at Patrick Mahomes and say, which is he? How did they win this game? Is it because of his rookie contract or is it because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? I'll tell you this much. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So even if the Chiefs go ahead and break the bank and give him the largest contract in NFL history and give him $100 million guaranteed and $200 million overall, and they give him $40 million a year to just shatter every single different record when it comes to paying a quarterback – He is still good enough that they can build around him with whatever money is left on the salary cap and get back to the big game. Will it be as easy as it was this year, knowing that you had $14 million to spend on on Sammy Watkins or a boatload of money to spend on Frank Clark? No, but the dynasty window is still open. Also, now that football is in our rearview mirror, we can look at a baseball story that has been festering right under our noses. Mookie Betts, the all-world, all-star for the the Boston Red Sox, former World Series champion, one of the best players in the world. Matter of fact, if you take Mike Trout and put him on Mars, then Mookie Betts becomes the best player on Earth. The Red Sox are really considering trading Mookie Betts, which is just unheard of for a major market team to essentially salary dump the best player on their team. And make no mistake about it, he is the best player on their team. I hate this move. Why? Because they're already paying David Price $32 million per year over the next three. Chris Sale, $145 million over the next five. Xander Bogarts, $20 million per year over the next six. J.D. Martinez, $60-plus million over the next three. Nathan Eovaldi, $17 million per year over the next three. Even Dustin Pedroia is getting $25 million over the next two years. And without Mookie Betts, you're spending all of that money for nothing because you will not convince me that Mookie Betts is not absolutely quintessential, absolutely necessary for the Red Sox to win another World Series. Otherwise, you're just spending all that money to make the playoffs and losing the first round. 
ACC roundup action here. Chase Bryce, former highly heralded recruit, a quarterback that signed with Clemson, who in the meantime has been leapfrogged by the younger player Trevor Lawrence, has backed up Trevor Lawrence for each of the last two years, has decided to transfer. Not only that, has decided where he's transferring. And later this year, he will uh, enroll at Duke with two years of immediate eligibility remaining after graduating from Clemson and being a graduate transfer. This is a match made in heaven for Duke and Bryce. Uh, David Cutcliffe, the head coach of Duke, needed experience at the quarterback position where he returns only one player on the roster that has thrown a pass with Quentin Harris's departure. Meanwhile, Chase Bryce gets an opportunity to work with a quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru, and stay in the ACC. If you're Virginia Tech, it's a bit of a bummer because you're playing Duke on November 21st on the second-to-last game, and you want them to be as beatable as possible. But now you'll just have to beat Chase Bryce as he takes over the reins. Tonight for the Hokies, uh, Georgia Tech basketball at Georgia Tech. Uh, the, the, the Georgia Tech squad is 10-12 and 12 on the year, 4-7 and seven in the ACC. But Virginia Tech at the moment not in a place to look down upon anybody. Uh, they are coming off three straight losses, Boston College, Miami, and Florida State, looking for a get-back game. Unfortunately, when you play in the ACC, there are no in-conference get-back games. There are no in-conference tune-up games. So even with Georgia Tech being a bottom feeder in the league, Virginia Tech still has to bring their A game to beat DeVoe and Wright and Banks and Alvarado, four guys that play for Georgia Tech, all averaging double figures. It's the first time the Hokies have seen that this season. Looking elsewhere quickly here, uh, the Chiefs window we already talked about. Uh, Lamar Jackson, a un, excuse me, a unanimous MVP. Have yet to mention that, and it is worth mentioning. His season this year is absolutely incredible. I look at a few uh, similarities to Patrick Mahomes' ascent. Second year in the league, MVP, but a disappointing uh, loss in the playoffs. That's both for Patrick Mahomes and for Lamar Jackson. What happened in the third year for Patrick Mahomes? He put it all together, maybe with a little less individual hype, but even more team success. He becomes a Super Bowl MVP, a champion, and solidifies his spot amongst the top of the league. Lamar Jackson will now have the opportunity to do that last year in a very similar vein to another uh, athletic unusuality in Patrick Mahomes. That might be my favorite way to describe Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes, and I stumbled into it with the clock beating down on the the end of uh, uh, the end of Got You Covered. They're athletic unusualities, anomalies too. I, I, I like unusualities better. Anomaly essentially means the same thing, uh, but but unusuality just there's some some poetic nature to the unusuality. <laughs> Basically, just saying what we all already know about them, right? Their athletic skill set doesn't come around often. Unique. Anomaly, Inhuman. unusuality. It's it's just you know, uh, over the next couple of drafts, there's going to be a ton of coaches looking for the next Lamar Jackson and the next Patrick Mahomes. Right, every quarterback that can throw at seventy plus yards uh, that used to play baseball, everyone's going to say that's Patrick Mahomes. Every quarterback that that runs the ball like a like a wide receiver or like a running back is going to be that's the next Lamar Jackson. Even though it's like well. No, that's not it. Like Lamar Jackson can can throw really, really well, and and Patrick Mahomes, uh, his improvisation is is unusual. There, there, there isn't another. It's pretty amazing how much the like I guess meta sort of thing, like the thing that's like the game changes. So like the thing that you can like rely on. You know, everyone's looking for the next Tom Brady. Mm. Now it's like let's look for these two new guys that just started two years ago. It's just it's funny when when what's special about a player 
is between the ears. Everyone thinks you can find another really easy, right? What's special about Patrick Mahomes is the fact that he sees throws that no one else sees, right? Like Terminator. Like, like he, he's running full speed to his left. He sees the guy moving to his right, and he'll throw across his body. Or, or he'll take, like he did in the, the game on third and 15 in the Super Bowl on Sunday, he'll take a 14-yard drop where he's 14 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then sling it 60 yards from there, 44 yards past the line of scrimmage, and he'll be caught by Tyreek Hill. And, and it's just a throw that others don't see. Even if you're a guy like Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen up in Buffalo has an arm that can throw at 80-plus yards, right? He's got the arm strength, but he doesn't even see that throw, right? So, so what Patrick Mahomes has is a special ability to look at the game. Lamar Jackson is the same as a runner, right? When, when he tucks it and runs, he has an insane ability to, to plant, right? To stick his foot in the ground and move, to anticipate, all right, the defender's running up on my back. They're going to try to get in front of me, and when they do that, I'm going to do this, and then they're going to pivot their hips, and when they pivot their hips, I'm going to be right back on the other side of them. Like, and it's all instinctual, right? And that's not stuff you can teach. But on the other hand, if, if what someone has that is special is purely physical, we all understand it can't be duplicated, right? No one was looking for the next Shaquille O'Neal because we could all look at other people and say, oh, they're not seven foot one, 280 pounds, that they can't be the next Shaq, right? Because what he was special at was, uh, in part, being gigantic. And, and you, you can look at someone and say, oh, they don't have it. So we never looked for the next Shaq. Meanwhile, in every draft class for like a decade, we were looking for the next Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was more special than Shaq, but he was 6'6 and a jumper, so, so there's more of those out there. In a sense, it seems e- easier to duplicate that. It, it seems, exactly, it seems easier to duplicate, but it's actually more difficult. Because it's what's in it's what's between it's your between ears. the ears. It's the competitive drive. It's the the workouts. It's the practice. And we'll see it with Kobe. Like it's like Kobe and LeBron, right? Every every Demar Derozan out there, we go the next Kobe, but we almost never say the next LeBron. Because, well, you I mean you can't be the next LeBron unless you're six eight or six nine, two hundred and seventy pounds and run like a deer. And there's just none of those out there. So, so when, when what's special is between the mind, we tend to look for it. So I guarantee you there will be, like, even in this draft class, right, talking, uh, uh, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. There'll be certain players uh, during draft coverage where Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are, are playing footage and going, you know, um, uh, Lamar Jackson light, uh, shades of Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech. And I'm going to be sitting there going, no, 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 no. This is just words. Just like you wouldn't say this six foot four guy is the next Shaquille O'Neal, you shouldn't say this quarterback that can throw it far but hasn't shown the in-game ability of Patrick Mahomes is the next Patrick Mahomes. There's been a ton of quarterbacks with absolute cannons attached to their right arms. Uh, I remember Kyle Bowler. The thing about him, and, and Kyle Bowler was a bust for the, the Baltimore Ravens in like 2001 maybe, Um the thing about Kyle Bowler was he could throw from his knees. He could put the ball through the uprights from the 50-yard line, which is absurd. That's 60 yards plus. It's like 65, 67 yards from his knees from midfield. And, and everyone was blown away by that. He was a Cal quarterback coached by Jeff Tedford. And, and it turns out it doesn't matter if you can throw it really, really far if you don't know where to throw it and you panic in games. Ja- Jamarcus Russell. 
Again, a similar guy, throwing at 80 yards. He was at LSU. He was uh, the, the new hotness. He was the number one overall pick. But guess what? It doesn't matter if you can throw at 80-plus yards if you're lazy, if you don't put the work in, if you don't know the plays. right? There's legends out there, and who knows if these are true, but they've been passed around enough that they're almost fact, um, of Jamarcus Russell getting a DVD uh, with with game film on it or what he thought was game film on it and they actually gave him a blank DVD and then the next day they asked him hey what'd you think of that film and he had answers oh it was good oh it looked great and th- there was nothing on the DVD he was lying to them right it doesn't matter if you can throw it 80 plus yards if that's how you treat work so if you're looking for the next Patrick Mahomes if you're looking for the next Lamar Jackson we're going to talk about these guys today but What you need to look for is what makes them special between the ears and then just have the physical ability to to live up to it, right? The physical ability, I'm not going to say, is unimportant. You still need to be able to do what your brain is telling you to do. But but what what your brain is telling it to do might be part of the secret sauce. The next Patrick Mahomes, I don't anticipate ever walking this earth. The next Lamar Jackson, I don't anticipate ever walking this earth. It's just they're gonna like it's, it's, people are gonna come along and just be better or be like have different. Different, mindsets. they'll be different. They could be better, but they'll be different. It's the equivalent of like Michael Vick, right? We will we've never seen since, and we will never see again another Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson is different. He's different and he's great, but he's not the next Michael Vick. He's different, physically talented than Michael Vick, and their brains tell him to do different things, mm-hmm. and they're in different offenses. And, and Dan Marino and John Elway were talented quarterbacks with rocket arms, but they were different than Patrick Mahomes. They weren't the baseball players like Patrick Mahomes, although John Elway did have a baseball background. He didn't throw it like a shortstop like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we didn't get to this yet, but we will when we get back. Top three next as part of Top Tuesday. Stick around. Don't rush off. The Tim Donnelly Show will be right back on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7103.5, AM as well. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers do join us on the Baker team hotline. That's 540-639-4900. We didn't get to it at the start of the hour, so let's get to it right now. It is time for the Top 3 at 3. It's Top Tuesdays with Tim Donnelly. Here's your top three. And just to be clear, just to be clear, that is the the last remnant of the afternoon show. We, we've we've pretty much made a complete uh, transition to from from the afternoon show to the morning show. The only thing that I'm having a hard time shaking is on Tuesdays, we used to have the top three at three, which, uh, of course, was was at three o'clock when we started at three. And now it's the top three at six. So we just call it the top three for top Tuesdays. But every single time I intro it, I still say top three at three. Um, which is just not true. It's not three o'clock at all. I feel like I'm usually good at catching things like that too, and I don't think I've been catching it. I, 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 it's it's one. It's like the you know writing the wrong year for the entire month of January on the date. I just have not been able to shake it. We're now, um, <laughs> as of 
two days from now. As of Thursday, we will be one month exactly into waking up and doing the morning show. But the only thing I have not been able to shake, I've been, I've, I've gotten up pretty good. I'm getting used to getting up at, you know, three o'clock in the morning. I've, I've, we've changed, you know, Monday afternoon quarterback to Monday morning quarterback, and and we've shifted everything. The Roth report now at eight a.m. instead of five p.m. Uh, but the only thing I haven't been able to shake is top three at three. It just it rolls off the tongue every single time I say it. So it is the top three, not the top three at three. Uh, and we are doing the biggest hokey plays from this weekend, starting with number three. Kendall Fuller, pass breakup slash interception. I thought that would be number one. Well, well, with all due respect to Mr. Fuller, and what those four Fullers have meant to Virginia Tech, he was wearing a Chiefs uniform when he did it. Ah, okay. Right? That's I mean, what does it for you? We, 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 right, we love the Fullers. And, and, and everyone's looking forward to, to his career, and hopefully that will translate to some recruiting success. But, uh, but he was wearing a Chiefs uniform. And, and as much as you know, the championship matters, you know, that doesn't get to go in Virginia Tech's trophy case. So, so it's number three. It was a huge play. Two huge plays. Swayed the whole Super Bowl. Um, but it comes in as number three. Number two, Naheem Aline's dunk versus Florida State. And this thing was real. Uh, do you know what's one of my favorite things about dunks, um, especially in college, is you see the defender, it was number 24 for Florida State, I can see it in my mind, uh, jump up like he's going to block it. And when he realizes, oh, this was a bad decision, he pulls his hand hands back and puts them down, and it looks like they just like are pencil diving into the pool. They're just jumping with their hands at their side because they don't want to be in the poster. They're like almost trying to get out of the way, but they've already jumped. So so uh, Naheem Aline made a bigger player pencil dive next to him uh, because because the the defender got out of the way to let him rain the hammer down. Lefty coming up the left side, it's always confusing. You never really see it coming. I'd expect Naheem Aline will have a few more of those before he his career in Blacksburg is over. Uh, and lastly, the top three, the, excuse me, the top one biggest hokey play from the weekend is... The play the Hokies made to Landon Watson and Naquan Brown on their recruiting visit. The pictures they posted with, with Landon Watson, Naquan Brown, and Bill Tierlink and Daryl Tapp. The, the uh, bringing Landon Watson into the broadcast facilities. The, the, the conversations between the new, hip, young defensive coaches and the potentially difference-maker defensive ends. The, the most important thing, and, and I still believe this here in Blacksburg, is you know the, the biggest thing that drives the truck in Blacksburg is Hokie football. And, and there's an opportunity to get two big old, fast, strong, athletic, new influx of talent, blood in, into this program with those two guys. And if their visit was as fun as it looked from afar, that could be a huge play. We should just have a camera crew film them. I feel like it'd be a good buddy comedy or something. Them just going around recruiting. Oh, you mean tap and tear link? Oh, yeah. Tap and tear link, absolutely. Make it a YouTube. Uh, vlog it. Yeah, vlog it. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jimmy G. It's about Jimmy G and the future of the Niners next.
Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. I could seriously listen to to, to that song all day. Um, and maybe one day, one day we should. We should just play it out of a commercial break and just just keep waiting. And everyone, you know, you're just waiting for me to go, God, welcome back. And instead we just let it rock. One day. <laughs> one day. We'll see. We'll see if we can make it happen. Uh, this is the Tim Donnelly Show, WRAD 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM, live inside the Makadu studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline. Uh, producer Lobro on the boards for us today. Um, also, want to let everybody know today, 530 to 630, live from the Blacksburg Makadus. Um, I will be out there for the 105.3 The Bear Tailgate Show ahead of the Virginia Tech basketball game. So that is uh, that is coming up uh, later today. Uh, give you an hour of pregame prior to the half-hour IMG Learfield pregame show, uh, and that'll take you right up to game time. So you'll be completely well set up for the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech basketball game to take place later on tonight. Um, let's talk Jimmy G. He's been a, a point of contention following the Super Bowl. Is it Shanahan's fault? Did Shanahan call the right plays and Jimmy G simply wasn't able to execute them, right? That was the – who was to blame is essentially if we, we boil it down to the nuts and bolts of it, to the structure of the question. Who was to blame for the 49ers not being able to hold on to a 10-point fourth quarter lead in the biggest game of, of really any of their lives? And, and it seems like most of, of – the football culture has settled on it's either Shanahan or it's Jimmy G. Now, obviously you could point to parts of the defense for allowing Kansas city to score on three consecutive drives, but I guess the defense gets a, a bit of a pass in public opinion for bottling up the chiefs offense. One of the best in the, in the entire league for 3.25 quarters, right? So, so if they fumble, or fall apart, collapse for the last three-fourths of of, of a quarter, uh, I guess they get a pass, and I'm fine with that. What I want to say about Jimmy G is we still don't know, right? He he didn't make two plays. Two plays, right? The third and five where he was throwing it to George Kittle. They had Kittle matched up on uh, on a great matchup, uh, and, and it got batted down at the line of scrimmage. You could argue Jimmy G needs to see the angles, see the 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 aisleways, right? See the paths and and make it happen, the windows, if you will. Um, and and he needs to be able to make that throw. And he needs to shift his feet, right? Drew Brees is famous for this, just little shades left and right in the in the pocket because he knows he doesn't have a tremendously high release point, and and he's able to find the the passing lanes. You could say Jimmy G needed to do that. He didn't make the play, is what it comes down to. Credit to uh, you know the, the Kansas City defensive line for getting a hand on it. The other one was the deep ball, right? Emmanuel Sanders beats his man on a post. It was bracket coverage. He ran right through it, uh, was behind everyone. Jimmy G has made that throw this year, and he wasn't able to connect it. He was a little amped, as one would be when the Super Bowl is on the line, and his, his you know it's, he didn't know his own strength, and he threw it, whatever it was, seven yards too far. Those are the two plays he didn't make. Now, I, as you, should be hesitant to judge anyone as a complete player off of two plays. We do it all the time, but you should be hesitant, right? We do it every single Super Bowl. Every single Super Bowl. We judge entire careers off of one or two plays. 
and it's not right, right? To, to get to this place, Jimmy G had to make hundreds, if not thousands of plays this season alone. So we shouldn't let two plays completely negate that. So we, from the outside, still don't know about Jimmy G, right? And we, from the outside, won't know until we get two or three seasons from now and we get to see if the San Francisco 49ers can put together more of a run, get back to the Super Bowl, get back to the NFC Championship. If he has a playoff duel with another great quarterback where he throws for 350 yards, then then we will know. But until then, we don't. However, we aren't the ones that have to know. Kyle Shanahan knows. Oh, Kyle Shanahan knows. Nobody knows their quarterback more than someone that is their head coach, play caller, offensive designer, right? Kyle Shanahan knows Jimmy G better than Jimmy G's best friends. Kyle Shanahan knows Jimmy G as a quarterback better than his high school wide receivers, his college roommates, his girlfriend, and his parents. He knows Jimmy G. So what do I always say? Actions speak louder than words. When I sit here and say Jimmy G didn't make the two plays that he had to make, that's not a huge number, right? That's not a, they didn't give him a ton of pitches. Patrick Mahomes made the, the four plays he had to make right down the stretch, the, you know, the, the, the touchdown to, to Kelsey, the deep ball to Tyreek Hill, the ball over the shoulder to, to Sammy Watkins, right? He made the four plays that he had to make getting in the end zone on the run, but the Chiefs gave him 30 options, right? They put the ball, the game in his hands 30 times. He made four of them, which was enough. The San Francisco 49ers put the ball in Jimmy G's hands twice. Twice. They didn't give him a ton of shots at it. Right? There's there's two ways to be a clutch player, right? There's we'll, we'll use we'll use Kobe Bryant, the late great, right? There's the Kobe Bryant way to be clutch, which is demanding the ball, always getting the opportunity, and coming through a good amount of time. Right, it's it's the old. Uh, there's a great quote from Michael Jordan somewhere that says like, you know, I made 56 game winners, I missed 75, I you know did a, dribbled it off my foot once, whatever it is, uh, you know, but I'm always willing to take that shot. That's the Kobe Bryant. That's the Michael Jordan way to go about it. The other way to be clutch is Robert Ory, which is you might only have seven true clutch opportunities in your career, and you make six of them. Right, that's Eli Manning. Jimmy G was given Robert Ory level of opportunity and they expected Kobe Bryant level of clutch. And to me, that says something, right? Eight passes thrown in the NFC championship game. And I know it worked out and Raheem Mostert was able to run them to victory in the NFC championship game. That still tells me that the plan going into the game was not to let Jimmy G throw the ball. That's an action that is Kyle Shanahan saying, I don't trust that guy. Only giving him two opportunities to make gigantic 
uh, game-changing plays in the, the Super Bowl is Kyle Shanahan saying, maybe we'll get lucky and he'll hit for one of them, but we don't want the game in this guy's hands. We, from the outside, don't know if Jimmy G has it. Kyle Shanahan, from the inside, his actions are saying he doesn't think Jimmy G has it. And he would never say this publicly, right? At the podium, he's going to say, Jimmy G's our guy. We gave him $150 million. He's, he's going to be our, our stud franchise quarterback. And then he's like, oh, in the NFC Championship? Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to let him throw the ball. What are you, crazy? Oh, in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Hopefully he can come through on one of two opportunities we give him to win the game. The way that, that Patrick Mahomes was treated versus the way that Kyle Shanahan treated Jimmy G was, was astronomically different. And yes, the offenses are built differently, and I'm not saying you know the Chiefs are, are predicated upon passing the ball, and the Niners do have a running game, but, but you still want your quarterback, the guy you're paying all that money, to have the ball in his hands. You know, the, the, the quote from the replacements, I want the ball. Winners always do. Jimmy G may have wanted the ball, but Shanahan was saying, eh, well, let's, let's give it to someone else here for a little bit. Let's take a break. When we come back, Mookie Betts on the move. Boston's got some splitting to do. Next. Take the Tim Donnelly Show with you anywhere you go. Streaming worldwide on WRADradio.com. Welcome back. This is the Tim Donnelly Show live on WRAD. Uh, it's a Tuesday morning, 649. You are listening in to the WRAD Radio Network, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. And the Red Sox are seriously considering Mookie Betts, trading Mookie Betts. Now, maybe I was distracted because I'm a, a football junkie and, and football season was going on, but I kind of thought this was a joke. Not even a joke. I thought this was, you know, uh, the negotiation ploy. And it's, I hate it about sports, but it needs to happen, right? The agent comes out and says, we want to trade if we can't get $400 million. And the team goes, fine, we'll trade you. And, and then the player goes, good, I want to leave. And then the team goes, we don't want you. And then two, two days later, they're you know, at a press conference signing a check for $400 million going, I never wanted to leave. We always wanted you here, buddy. And it's like, well, okay. So it was all lip service. And I thought that's what was going on here. But it appears like, you know, when, when you read into it, the Red Sox are really considering trading Mookie Betts, who, as I described and got you covered, if you take Mike Trout and you place him on Mars, Mookie Betts is the best player on earth. He's the best baseball player on earth, not with a fish last name. Right? There's, there's no Betts fish, is there? All right. I think we're good. Um, this just doesn't happen. It just, uh, you don't have a player that good playing for a major market team essentially get shipped off for salary reasons, right? The, 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 the Red Sox are looking to get under the competitive tax threshold and save themselves some shekels, some dinero, some doubloons. You don't ship Mookie Betts off to save a couple dollars on your ledger because in a weird way, shipping Mookie Betts off makes you waste a lot more money than you'd have to spend on the competitive tax threshold. Let me explain. The Red Sox are paying a boatload to a whole bunch of other players, which is why they're in the position where they could even consider it a good idea to send Mookie packing. 
They're going to pay David Price, pitcher, $32 million per year over the next three years. I'm not a math wizard, but I can say $96 million over three is a lot of money. They're paying Chris Sale $145 million over the next five years. Again, 145 I don't need a calculator to say that's a lot of money. Xander Bogarts, $20 million per over the next six. It's $120 million. J.D. Martinez, $60-plus million over the next three years. Nathan Eovaldi, we're getting down to the players who aren't even brand names, right? These aren't guys that punch their ticket to the All-Star game as soon as they suit up for, for enough games to qualify. Nathan Eovaldi, $17 million per year over the next three. Dustin Pedroia, who's hurt and likely, uh, I don't want to say likely, there's a possibility will never play again, is getting $25 million over the next two. Mookie is a necessary piece to make all of that money not be a waste. Right? Because if Mookie's not on the Red Sox, they ain't winning another World Series. If they don't have that that guy to just lift the team, war wins above replacement a billion times, if you don't have Mookie Betts in your lineup, at the top of your lineup every single game, or you know, 154 out of 162 games, you're not winning another World Series. And in that case, you just have an extremely high-priced bunch of uh, employees with nothing to show for it. You know, I use sales staff examples all the time uh, on this show, but, but a team truly isn't like a sales staff because if you get rid of your top seller, your second seller will still bring in the positive results for your team, right? They will still bring in cash, which is the goal. In sports, the goal isn't necessarily just cash. The goal is to win championships. And if you take away the Boston Red Sox top seller, if you take away their best player, if you take away Mookie Betts, suddenly that second leading seller, that second guy, is not going to bring back what you thought he was going to bring back, which would be a world championship. Shout out on Twitter to, to Lucas Graham, at Lgram8908. Not to mention Mookie is their homegrown guy. Just hope he doesn't go to the Dodgers. Well, well, I'll address both sentences there. Not to mention he is their homegrown guy. Exactly. Exactly. You, you created this guy. Right? It's, it's why I, I always say you have to let college transfers transfer wherever they want, but it's why you have to focus on making sure that that your program is awesome enough that transfers don't want to leave because you don't want to see all of your developmental investment in a player go kick butt for someone else. You invested the time. You invested the reps. You gave him the at-bats. You uh, gave him the reps in the outfield. You created him. Now you're going to go watch him ball out for someone else. That's not what you want to do just to save a couple dollars. And then just hope he doesn't go to the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, everything I'm reading is Dodgers or, or Padres. So I guess the Padres would be a, a softer landing spot just because uh, you know the, the Dodgers have become the, the evil empire of the West. But, but uh, I mean, Padres would then have Mookie and um, 
Oh, gosh. The, the, who's the third baseman that used to play for the Orioles? Manny Machado. Goodness gracious. Come on, Tim. It's early. And they'd have a nice little core there of $300 million-plus players. It's it, you can't you can't let it go, and and maybe maybe it is what I thought from from origin uh, from the original standpoint. Maybe in a, in a couple days or in a couple weeks or or whenever it is, we will suddenly look up and and everyone will be wearing Red Sox jerseys at a podium, and and they'll be talking about the deal that Mookie Betts just signed, and he'll be talking about how he wants to invest in the community in Boston and how he wants to be the next big poppy. Right, and how he sees himself as a true Bostonian now. And I'll go, ah, ha, ha, you had me for a second. You had me. Maybe. Maybe that is how it's all going to break down. But but goodness gracious, I hope so for, for the Boston faithful. Watching him line up for someone else, I don't know how you deal with it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's Hokie Hour here on the Tim Donnelly Show. Hokies wall-to-wall from 7 to 8 next. <laughs> 